I said good morning. How you doing? Great to have the college students back in the house. We love you guys. And uh, it's always right to give honor where honor is due. And when I was a college student, I was a part of a fiery college group. And one of the leaders that I inspired to be like is actually here with us this morning. And uh, he's one of the first missionaries with our umbrella movement called Antioch. And he just, uh, after 17 years, handed over his church in Boston and is on a six-month sabbatical. Jeff Bianchi. And uh, Jeff, would you, would you stand up? Jeff and Sarah are, uh, Sarah, would you stand up too? These are some of my dear, dear friends. And they are heroes in the faith. And they're on a six-month sabbatical. They decided to come to America's happiest city. And so we're just praying huge refreshment and blessing and God's vision on you guys. And if you got a word for them and it's good, then go and share it with them. And uh, we're in our first series. If you want to turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 1, we are going to be there. But before we do that, I want to ask you to come to World Mandate West. It is going to be an incredible time. Two movements that have had a profound impact on our uh, movement that's birthing here, the all people's movement, are number one, YWAM, and uh, the former international director of all of YWAM, Floyd McClung, is going to be coming to be with us, and uh, Floyd is becoming a father, uh, you know, a distant father to this house, and so we're stoked that he is coming. And then another movement that just uh, has, has rocked our socks off is Hillsong, and if you're familiar with Hillsong United, the guy who started Hillsong United, that youth group, that youth movement, and is now the senior pastor of Hillsong South Africa, Phil Dooley, he's going to be with us. So we are just stoked about that, as well as some missionaries that I can't even say their names because where they are is so dangerous, but they're going to be with us as well. It is going to be an amazing time. Please come. This is like the family reunion with your crazy uncles. Uh, but, yeah, but your crazy uncles are really good to be around. And uh, so we want you there. And let me just say this, as always, um, I think this is the best investment for your money. But if you can't stretch out to make the whole thing, there's some volunteer positions that you could come and serve. And we could help you with a discount. So jump in. I'm asking you to be there. It will impact you. It's the, the heart of this church is what you'll hear that weekend, it's the only time that we get the whole church together because we're, we're in an auditorium that's so big that everyone in the church can be with us and a bunch of other uh, groups from our movement and other churches join us. So it's just it's something you don't want to miss. I want you there, so join us. Our first series, uh, I hope you're enjoying it. Kendall kicked us off two weeks ago. I shared last week. Um, sometimes life throws at you unexpected challenges. And this was a week like that for me. I talked about our time in Thailand, which was epic, as I returned last weekend. But I've paid a price for it. Uh, I actually injured myself on the flight with a 15-hour flight. I've, I've really hurt my tailbone. I don't want anyone to lay hands on me. Uh, but you can, pray, you can pray for me. But it's been a painful week for me. And, and then on Thursday morning, I'm, I'm out walking the dog, and I get an emergency call from Stephanie, and she says, hey, we got an emergency call from the school. John Mark got really hurt playing football. They think he's going into shock. 
So I run down the hill, Steph pulls up, me and the dog jump in the car, go pick John Mark up at school and rush him to the ER, spend the whole day there, and poor guy broke his collarbone. Uh, my little seven-year-old, he's tough as nails. Uh, you'll see him with his little sling on. I'm very proud of, of, of this little guy. Uh, but anyway, we, that was an unexpected, painful thing. You hate to see your kids suffer like that. And I also got a call that my grandmother, who I grew up with in her home, she's like my second mom, spent every day of my childhood with her, has stage four cancer. And so I, I booked a flight and was on it at 5.30 in the morning on Friday. I just got back late last night, pulled up to my house about 11 p.m. last night from being with my, my gram. They're basically going to say goodbye to her. You know, life throws unexpected challenges at us. And I want to talk this morning of, I believe, a believer's greatest weapon to facing challenges trials and overwhelming responsibilities coming at us. However, I, I, I want to throw in one little lighthearted thing. My grandmother's a blonde, uh, 94 years old, she still has blonde hair. And so every time I go home, I'm told a new blonde joke. And uh, so I was told, I was told one, you guys want to hear it? Okay. Um, so a, a, a blonde mother is out trimming the yard with a weed whip. And as she's trimming the yard, uh, all of a sudden she hears a screech, and out of a hedge jumps a cat that she's just whacked off its tail. And so she yells at her high school daughter, quick, grab the cat, we've got to make an emergency run to Walmart. The daughter goes, Mom, Walmart? Why? She goes, because I hear it's the world's largest retailer. <laughs> all right, Mark 1, verse 21. Hey, if you've, got, if you've got a better joke for me, tell me after the service, the Bible says that laughter is good medicine. Mark 1.21, it says this, and, and our ushers are coming down with Bibles. We love, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one as a gift. The Word of God is our anchor, it's our foundation, it changes and transforms our lives. Mark chapter 1, they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with this, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Verse 27, the Bible, uh, the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Keep reading verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went to James and John uh, to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. 
Verse 32, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Verse 35, and this is our key verse for the morning. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You know, the responsibilities and the challenges that were facing Jesus were overwhelming. If you, if you track through these, first, Jesus is preaching in the synagogue. And I think you probably know the number one fear in the United States is public speaking. And if you've ever talked to a preacher, they will tell you that preaching, although it's exhilarating and it's so fulfilling, it's one of the most spiritually draining things that you can do. So Jesus starts the morning with preaching. While he is preaching, he's encountered by a demon-possessed man who's basically confronting him. I can tell you there's been a few times where I've been preaching and some crazy person steps into the aisle and walks right towards me, yelling at me. That's never a restful experience. I've also encountered a handful of demonized people speaking in guttural voices, doing crazy things with their body. It's not exactly a a, a restful time in your life when that happens. So Jesus is preaching, now he's encountering a demon-possessed man, then he has to perform an exorcism and command that demon to leave. Then he has a family crisis, one of his homeboys, Peter, his mother-in-law is sick, and I'm sure they realize, wow, Jesus, you can cast out this demon, I want you to come to to our home because my mother-in-law is elderly and she's sick, and no telling if they thought she was going to die or not, so he goes with that responsibility of a family issue, and whenever it's a family issue, there's always more of a weight and this deep compassion in your heart, so he moves from preaching to demon-possessed exorcism to family sickness issue that he goes and heals, and then the whole town hears about it, and it says every person in the town that was sick and demonized comes to the house for the rest of the night, and I've experienced that just a couple times in my life where healings break out and there's just a crowd that swarms and sits pressing in. And I want to tell you, although that is exhilarating and I'm believing for it to happen, for many of you more and more that we get in those pressing times where the power of God is is so evident that there are lines. And I've seen that a couple times. I saw it in Peru. I've seen it in Sri Lanka. I saw it in Costa Rica where there's just a mass of people around us because they're so desperate and everyone we're praying for is being healed. But I want to tell you, there's no more draining time. And there's no more time where you're like, oh God, you've got to show up because all of these people are so desperate and they're coming to us. That's a, there's a huge weight. Jesus experienced the weight of responsibility. Jesus experienced the pain of sickness. Jesus experienced the, the, the hardship of people looking to him to bring them a word. And so I, I take note of what he did after this day of sun up to sundown, draining work. Look at what he does. And this is what we're talking about in the first series this morning. The first thing Jesus did in the morning is he spent the first hours 
of the day with God. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I would claim that this activity of Jesus going off early in the morning to a solitary place to meet with God has been the most life-giving practice of my life. And I want it to be for you. Let me, let me tell you how this practice became a foundation for me. I told you I was a part of a fiery college group, a lot like what we're experiencing here on an evening service, we would go and God was just moving. And if you're a college student, we're doing this on Thursday nights. Anybody had awakened this past Thursday, if you were, give us a little, little wave. Um, we've got an awesome college service. I want to encourage you to come. We're just pressing in for revival there. And, and that's what I was experiencing. And I saw this guy named Jimmy speaking. And for the first time, I saw someone who I thought, he, this guy is like a character straight out of the Bible. His his stories he would tell were epic of being in different lands and the power of God coming and miracles, signs and wonders and incredible provision of finances and God putting him before the rulers of different countries and then narrow escapes out of perilous danger. And I'm just thinking this is not the Christianity that I grew up in. You know, we sat in our pews, in our nice suits, and sang songs that I did not understand the words about raising my Ebenezer and the bulwark never failing, and good words, I just didn't understand them at the time. So all of a sudden, he's talking about these stories where people's lives are being transformed and bodies are being healed, and I'm thinking, I want that, I want that so bad, like God is moving still in our day like he was in the book of Acts. And so I was volunteering up at the church office one day as a college student, and Jimmy walks by and goes, hey, my, my lunch plan is just canceled, would you like to go to lunch with me? And I'm like, would I like to go to lunch with like the Apostle Paul. Of course I would. This is unbelievable. You know, I felt like I'm an Ewok with a Jedi. This is, <laughs> this is so cool. And I get to go to his house, and in classic Jesus-like form, he's just asking me questions about my, that's a person running down the aisle at church. That's, there's a place to run. It's for the altar. Um, <laughs> they they, uh, you know, godly people, they ask about you, and you're like, I mean, I'm just, you know, me. I want to know about you. And so I finally am able to turn the topic, and I say, I I've got a question for you, Jimmy, because I've been thinking all day, all, all, all uh, hour that I've been with him at lunch, okay, like, what's the best question I can ask? I know wise people ask good questions. God, give me a good question. And I said, okay, Jimmy, I I'm 20 years old, and I wanted to sell out for Jesus. If you had one piece of advice to give me, what would that piece of advice be? And I have no idea what he's going to say. And he doesn't bat an eye. He goes, Psalm 103. Psalm 103. said, the children of Israel knew the acts of God. Moses knew his ways. I said, huh? <laughs> and he said, you know, Robert, so many people are content to just know God from afar and what he has done. But Moses climbed the hill and spent one-on-one -on -one time with God and became his friend 
And so he actually knew the ways of God. I would make it your ambition to actually become God's friend and know his ways. And the way that happens is through spending one-on-one time with him. He said, I would take your best time of the day and invest it in seeking God, reading scripture and prayer. And I went, because I grew up in church, and, and, and I went to youth camp. Any youth camp attenders out there? Anybody ever been to a youth camp? Okay, so yeah, maybe a third of this room has been to youth camp. And at the end of youth camp, they always tell you, you know, don't just let it be a youth camp high. Spend daily time with God. And so I remember this youth camp speaker who called it the seven from heaven. Really cool name right there. He said, spend seven minutes with God. Seven from heaven, and I, I remember going home from you camp being like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to spend seven minutes with God, and I remember turning on my Casio watch timer, and I could not do it. I mean, like, after two minutes, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of ADD. I don't know if you've noticed that. I'm just going, whoa, 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 you know, and, and so I, I could, after like four days, I was done. I was like, there is no way I can spend seven minutes with God. And Jimmy wasn't telling me to spend seven minutes with God. He was like, I'd spend an hour or an hour and a half. I'm like, ooh. He's like, or two hours. And I'm like, I'm a, no way. There is no, can I watch TV? Well, you know, I mean, what? there's no way that I can do this. But, but my, my hunger was to spend time with with, with God and, and get to know him. So I said, okay, I've got to, to go on this journey, and, and, and by God's grace, I had some, uh, some good teaching where they actually started teaching me what to do and, and, and started giving me the motivation for it. I want to look at Proverbs 2 just for a, a minute uh, because I think this gives great insight into why we would go on a, on a radical quest of spending time with the Lord. Proverbs chapter 2, let's put that up on the screen, Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 3, indeed, if you call out for insight and you cry aloud for understanding, understanding, right, you cry aloud, and if you look for it as for silver, where is, you know, where's the silver, and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Uh, let me tell you, one thing I'm a sucker for is these late night shows where they potentially found a treasure. Or, I mean, the other day I was like, you're kidding me, they actually found Bigfoot. And I kept watching and watching because I'm like, no, I, I really think they found Bigfoot. And I remember one, and I was a little wiser, they were like, we found a, a living mermaid. And I'm like, oh, I've got, I mean, is there a mermaid? I've got to see, is there a mermaid? Let, let, me just, let me just give you a helpful hint before I explain the rest of this illustration. If they found a mermaid, it would be on the front of CNN. So don't be deceived by these shows. <laughs> but I remember one night that I was watching this treasure hunting show when they were going after like the Cortez treasure that would be worth $500 million. And I just kept watching and watching and watching. And I was struck 
by how much money they spent to go on this expedition and how they endured these uh, storms out at sea to get to these islands. And then they were sleeping in these rough conditions and snakes were coming, these vipers were coming around them. And they're going on this long hike and then they're squeezing through a cave and they're swatting mosquitoes all because they wanted the treasure. And I'm impacted because we as humans are created to search for treasure. And you might not be a treasure hunter, but I guarantee you, you like searching for something, right? I know a woman who loves to search for a good deal. Her name starts with an S and ends with an F and E, but I will not tell you, <laughs> I will not reveal her true identity. People love to search for treasure. I know, I know some guys who they, they know every football statistic, you know, because they, they, they love searching. It's a treasure to him. His name starts with a K and ends with an Ellie. But I won't tell you his name. But most, most every human, they have something they love to search out, right? You, you are created to search, and I want to tell you the greatest satisfaction at the end of a search is God. The Bible says that, that you search for it, Proverbs 2 then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The Bible says the way you're going to find the knowledge of God is you cry aloud. I, I started doing this. I'll be on a walk, and I'm like, I'm calling out! And, you know, I know people think I'm weird. But have you noticed how weird this world is becoming? Like, so at least I'm weird about the right thing. Right? People do the weirdest thing. And I'm like, at least I'm weird for the right reason. So I'm crying out, and you, you search for it. Now, now here's, here, here is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you have to spend time with God to be loved by him. And I'm not saying that you have to spend time with God to be saved. Right? That is free. God's love is free. He's a father that adores you. You're sleeping, doing nothing, and he's like me with my kids that's just looking at my kids going, oh my gosh, you are so beautiful. I love you. You, oh, I just want to wake you up and snuggle, right? I mean, that, that is how God is with you. You're doing nothing, and his heart is just beating for you. And salvation, you don't win your salvation. Like, there's nothing you can do. He died on the cross. Let me just explain for those of you that haven't gotten this yet. You were in sin. Jesus comes, lives a perfect life. He commits no sin, but because of your sin problem, he dies on the cross, suffers a painful death to pay the penalty that you deserve. He dies. He sheds his blood. That's what this communion was all about. The body being broken. His body was broken. His blood was poured out, a gruesome death for you in the midst of your sin. He doesn't say that. He's raised from the dead. He defeats the power of sin and death. And now he offers you eternal life. And there's nothing you do except accept it. It's free. Salvation's free. God's love is free. But intimate friendship, the knowledge of God, is going to come at a high price. It's going to come to those who search. The Bible says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. 
and you search for this hidden treasure, then you will know the knowledge of God. And I want to ask you, is there anything greater than the person of God? There's, is there anything worth searching for more than him? And, you know, I started getting convinced of this and, and said, okay, I, 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 want, I want to do this. I, I, I want to search for God. And then I started getting confronted with the truth that people who have really been the giants of the faith, that they met with God first thing in the morning. And I thought, well, I'm disqualified because I'm a night person. And I really don't like mornings. Anybody a night person out there? Like my wife drives me nuts. She is a morning person. And let me just say, she wakes up and she's like so excited to be up. And she goes over and she nestles in the corner of the couch and she gets this cozy little blanket and she looks all angelic like this cute fuzzy bunny in the corner. And she's just meeting with God. Yes, Lord. And I wake up and I'm like, it's like someone put gunk in my eyes. And I, I, I'm like, you know, try, and my voice is 10 octaves too low. I'm like, hello, Stephanie. You know, she's like, come out, Jesus' name. You know, and I'm like a morning, it's like a morning demon on me, right? And I, I'm like, I, I run into things in the morning and I'm like, you know, slamming into things, and I can't tell you how many times I've, I've gotten in the Word, and I mean, I'm in the Word, because I'm like asleep, and, and, and I, I, am, I do not like warnings, like that is not my deal, but I, I want to tell you that I've grown to love meeting with Jesus in the morning, because I, I saw, number one, that it's biblical. It's the model of Jesus. Very early in the morning. The first thing in the morning, Matthew 1.35. The first thing in the morning, he gets up to seek God. Let, let's just unpack this verse for a minute. It says, very early. Can you say early? early? Oh, that's a painful word to me. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Can you say dark? dark. Oh, college students are hating me right now. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. Can you say got up? Got up. Oh, you're prophesying over yourselves right now, people of God. You're going to get up early in the morning while it's still dark. You know, I, I started seeing in Scripture that, that this was the model of the people of God. David, the psalmist, writes, I will awaken the dawn. Right? He, he says, I'm going to wake. Can you imagine? You know, David's up in the dark going, awake, dawn. He says, very early in the morning, you're going to hear my praises. This was the model for the people of God. And then I started seeing in church history that the men of God, the men that, and the women of God that shaped the earth with the, with the message of the gospel, that they got up and they sought the Lord. And went, oh, that's what I want to be. That's, that's really rough. But then I, then I started realizing, I want to just give you some some, some, some uh, proof, some ammunition for why you should get up in the morning. Uh, number three is this. So it's biblical. It's what the men and women in church history did. But number three, there's just not much going on early in the morning. Have you noticed that? Like early in the morning, I, I can count on two hands 
over the last 20 years, the phone calls I've gotten between 5 and 6 in the morning. Like, my, my phone's just, my phone rings throughout the day, and I get texts all day long. But before 6 in the morning, there's not much coming up on my phone. It's quiet. My kids, that is, my kids are the best behaved between 5 and 6 in the morning. <laughs> so they've hit that REM sleep. You know, they're not even stern. They're, Ooh. and I wonder if that's why Jesus got up very early in the morning while it was still dark, because there was no one to interrupt him. And no one's expecting you to return emails or texts between 5 and 6 in the morning. And it's dark, so people can't even see, right? I mean, it's just, it is a great time for you to seek God. So very early in the morning, Jesus got up. He goes to a solitary place to seek God. And let me just say, fourthly, why I believe so much in getting up early in the morning is it sets my day off on the right foot. Uh, because I'm not a morning person, I, unlike my wife, do not wake up happy, typically. And I'm a pretty happy person. I mean, I think if you know me, you go like, he's pretty happy. But I'm not when I start. You know, it's, I, I, no. Now, I have discovered uh, one of God's greatest gifts to mankind, coffee, <laughs> right? That's why there's a book called Hebrews. I've told you that before. <laughs> that has been a game changer in my life. But, but, but let, me just, let me just explain to you this way. I wake up and, and I so often, that, that, that mental ticker just starts going, and I'm thinking about all the things I have to accomplish, and, and I, I'm just processing. And, but if I get into God, I get the right foundation for moving forward. So, so I just, I just want to take you into what I do, because I, in, in a weekend like this, I, I'm desperate to meet with God, because I'm in pain, and my son's in pain. And I'm having to go home, and I'm having to say goodbye to one of the people that's most dear, that's impacted my life the most, and I'm having to go and comfort my mom, who I'm very close with, who is hurting in her heart, because she's the primary caregiver for her mother that she's lived with forever. And I'm having to step into these kind of responsibilities and embrace this kind of pain. And so let me just talk to you about what happened, because on on Friday morning, I get up at 5.30, and I always, the first thing I do is I spend time with God. So I, I read the Bible a little bit. I didn't have enough time. So then I get on a plane. And, and one thing about me is that, that small spaces make me anxious. Kind of a big guy. And big guys don't do well in small spaces. And so I'm going through... Uh, security, and, and it takes a lot longer than I was expecting at the airport, and so I get on the plane, and I was supposed to be in the A group, but now I'm behind the C group getting on the plane, and all of a sudden, I am in purgatory because there are only middle seats on Southwest Airlines, and so I, phobias don't make sense, right, but I have claustrophobia, 
And so I'm walking in going, middle seats, middle seats, middle seats. I bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name. You know, I'm just, this is a plot against my life. I'm feeling the anxiety. And I'm telling you this, and you might think it's silly, but what, what, do you, what do you deal with? Like, what's your anxiety? Like, someone else, it might not, you might be like, middle seats, I love middle seats. They're so cozy. I get to meet new friends. I don't want a friend on a plane, Right? <laughs> And, and, and so I, I, I'm sitting down in the middle seat. My tailbone already hurts, right? And, and, and I'm going into a really hard situation, and, and what happens? I don't know if you've experienced this, but anxiety just starts going up, you know? And, and, and my mind just starts racing, you know, my breath is getting, you know, I'm doing Lamaze right there. And, and this is not good. So what what? Thank you, Kendall. It's one of my best friends right there. What, what do you do when your day is starting off like that? Let me just tell you, you press into Jesus. You get into your FaceTime. We call it FaceTime instead of a quiet time because a lot of times my quiet time is not quiet. But I want to meet Jesus face to face. So we call our time alone with God FaceTime. So I open my Bible. And I start studying my Bible. I start reading my Bible. And I'm always asking three questions. Who is God? As I'm reading, I, I, I'm taking notes. Who is God? Who am I? What does the Bible say about me? And how should I respond? And that's how you meditate when you read. You don't just skim through the Bible like you do a magazine. You want to chew on it. Mm, mm, mm. And so I'm reading that. And I'm chewing on the Word of God. And, and, and let me just encourage you again. We've been doing this the last two weeks but let's let 2016 be a year that we're in the Word of God like never before. So let me just give you a challenge. I'm going to give three different challenges. First, for the group of you that have never been consistently in the Word of God. For the beginners, I want to give you a challenge today. First, can we just put up the little Bible app thing? I want to encourage everyone to download the Bible app. Whenever I get a device, it's the first app I put up on my device, on my, on my phone, on my iPad, this is the first thing my kids do. We just got them little Kindle fires, and they put up the, the Bible app, and this is the first thing they open in the morning. My little 7-year-old, my 9-year-old, my 10-year-old, my 12-year-old, they have the Bible app. Download the Bible app. You'll have the Bible with you at all times. Challenge number one, if you're a new believer or if you've never really read the Bible before, here's my challenge for you. I want to be like Jimmy was with me. I want to pull you past where you are now. If you've never read the Bible before, I challenge you the next seven days, the next seven days, first thing you do in the morning, open up the Bible and read a proverb. I like to just follow the, the proverb of the day. There's 31 proverbs, so I just look at the date. If it's the 17th, then I open up to Proverbs 17. And just look at that. It'll take you five minutes. But you will find that the book of Proverbs gives you such incredible nuggets of wisdom for your day. So if you've never been in the Bible consistently, that is my challenge. Starting tomorrow morning, that the next seven days, you start with Bible reading in the book of Proverbs and watch and see if your week isn't different. All right, I got a second challenge for you guys that have read the Bible some. I want to call you up. Maybe these are the intermediate people. You're like, hey, I've done some devotionals, I've had some quiet times before. I want to take you to the next level. Let me challenge you to go on a 21-day challenge. A 21-day challenge. Commit the next 21 days. 
Who, who in this room would say, yeah, I can commit to the next 21 days of reading the Bible every day? Who could do that? Okay, just bold, boldly, raise your hand. If you miss a day, that's okay. There's always tomorrow. But the next 21 days, you're saying, hey, I will try. I will try the next 21 days. I want to I challenge you, read the book of John. There are 21 chapters in the book of John. I love telling people to go to the book of John. G, uh, John was Jesus' best friend. That's what I want to be. It'll take you about 15 minutes to, to meditate on a chapter of John a day. See if in the next 21 days, it takes 21 days to form a habit. See if you don't see that your life is different in 21 days of every day starting the day by being in Scripture. It will change you. It will give you a foundation from which to start. I, I tell you, I, I, I travel all over the world. And one thing is the same in every country, in every city, in every town I go to. I can look at a house, and if it was built without a foundation, which houses are often built without foundations, they start getting crooked, and they start falling down. But the sturdy and beautiful houses always have a firm foundation. Let me tell you that spending time in the Word of God is a foundation on which to build a beautiful life. Here's my last challenge for you that say, well, I want to be radical. Who wants to be radical for Jesus in this room? You say, hey, bring it on. I've spent 21 days with the Lord before. I want to go, like, I want to go for it. I want to be Bear grills for Jesus. You know, I want, to, I want to go into the wild. Here's my challenge for you. The Bible in a year. Can you put that app up? This is, uh, Kendall and I are both doing this. We didn't know we were both doing this, but that's how God often works, is you're doing the same things. Uh, the Bible in a year, this is going to help you walk through the whole Bible in one year. It's an incredible commentary also written by Nikki Gumbel, who's an amazing preacher. I've been doing this every day. This is going to take you somewhere between 30, 45 minutes in your Bible reading if you read it and chew on it slowly. Kendall can do it in like seven minutes, but he's a prodigy, so uh, that's Okay. But I want to encourage you, soaking in the whole Word of God. This is the Old Testament reading, New Testament reading, some Psalms, some Proverbs, and, and, and a daily theme. If you're not already have what you're doing every day, I encourage you to try this Bible in a year. And go for it. And see if it doesn't change your 2016 when you read the whole Bible this year. So I'm on the plane, and I'm... You know, feeling that anxiety because I have a middle seat, right? And, and, and so I pull out my Bible on my, on my uh, iPad and I'm taking notes and I'm just going to just kick this anxiety with the Word of God. And it's getting a little better because why? Because the Word of God washes our mind, right? We talked about last week, you need to be brainwashed, right? The Word of God washes the dirt off our mind. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Ephesians 5 says the word washes. Uh, so I, I get that washing from the word and I have a firm foundation and I start seeing through Bible lenses, through biblical lenses instead of worldly lenses. And then what do I do next? Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this then is how you should pray. So I go from my word time because I start by, by getting a firm foundation of the word and and getting that godly paradigm, and then I go into a prayer time. And so Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And a lot of us have recited this all our life. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But Jesus was giving us a paradigm, a template for how to pray. And so I break this down, and I pray through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's adoration. 
So I'll say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then I spend the next minutes adoring him. And I want to tell you, the more chaotic my life gets, the more structured I make my FaceTime. Right? So I can just be laser sharp on meeting with God. Because I, like I said, I'm a distracted person. So I'll go, okay, five minutes of adoration. And I just start adoring God. God, you were good. God, you are faithful. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You are the rose of Sharon. You are the balm of Gilead. You are Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness. You are Jehovah Nissi, my banner. God, you are Jehovah Makedish. You are, and I, I, I go through, and maybe you don't know all these names. You're like, what dish? Well, it doesn't matter. Tell God how good he is. I'm just telling you, my mind has been wiggy through my life, and so I have committed a lot of scripture into this little noggin because I want to be free. My question is, do you want to be free? Yes. yes. So I focused in and I adore. This, this first phrase is all about adoration. And then it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'll say that phrase and then I'll go into intercession. And I start praying. And all these things that are getting me really down about how our country is becoming. I start pressing into prayer instead of just going, man, the, the world's just going to hell in a handbasket. Instead, I say, you know, not on my watch. I'm going to press in, and I'm going to rise up, and I'm going to be an intercessor because history belongs to the intercessors. And so I'm going to press in, and so I start calling out. Lord, I pray for revivals in the schools. Lord, I'm asking that you'd raise up apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists in this city to be deployed to the ends of the earth. And I start going for it. And intercession, and you know what? It feels really good, right? You, you take the burdens that you feel and you turn them into prayer and intercession. And so I pray for the world. I pray for our city. I pray for our nation. I pray for the nations we're invested in. I pray for our missionaries. And then the next thing it says is give us today our daily bread. Do you know it's okay to ask for your needs? So you know who the first person I pray for in our family? Me. And I don't feel bad about that. Because if daddy's godly, then it's going to spread throughout the family. So I say, oh, God, won't you fill me up today? I am desperately in need of your touch and your love. Oh, God, won't you give me wisdom? I need the gift of wisdom for my marriage, for my family, for my friendships, for this church I lead. I pray over myself. I'm laying hands on my heart. I'm laying hands on my head. I'm laying hands on my eyes. I'm the one person who can lay hands on my tailbone. It's, I, I am... I am pressing in for my needs. And then I start praying over my wife. And I start asking God to move in her life. And I pray over each one of my kids. Give us today our daily bread. Right? And then I move on in the scripture. And forgive us our sins. And so I, I, I start, this is confession. I start confessing my sins. I don't want to go into a day with unconfessed sin from, from the day before. So I start confessing my sins. And then I'm asking God, God, help me walk forward out, free from this sin. As we also have forgiven those who sin against us. And you know what? This is one of the most helpful things. In life, we get hurt. Hurting people hurt people. And so you will get hurt. And so I say, God, is there anyone who's hurt me? And I bring them before him. I say, oh, God, I forgive them. Give me power to forgive. I want to tell you that God wants you to forgive. And when you don't forgive, it's like drinking poison and hoping someone else dies. But you just forgive every single day and you go forward with a clean heart. And lead us not into temptation. I pray over myself. I pray over my family. 
I pray over our elder team. I pray over our staff. I pray over you that you won't fall in temptation, but you'll be delivered from the evil one. I plead the blood of Jesus of protection over us as a church and over our people. I do not need the enemy coming in and ravaging our people. I need the shield of God around us. And you know, on the plane, I was having a hard time praying, so I started just typing out my prayers as fast as I could. I'm just typing it out. But you know what? The peace of God started coming. The, the peace of God. You know, sometimes what we do is we're so anxious that we just go, okay, I, I've got to think about something else. And so you turn on some TV show, right, that just slimes you. Or you're like, I'm so anxious, I just got to watch the news. And you turn it on and you're like, awesome, terrorist bomb this city. I mean, you go from anxious to desperation, right? You, 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 you don't get, get sick and go to the doctor and he goes, you got the flu? Well, hey, then drink this typhoid fever, right? I mean, that's just, that's not what you do. You don't fight the flu with typhoid fever. He goes, take this. And, and you start drinking things to make you more healthy. And that's what spending time with God does. And then I always end with this. John 5, 19, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So then I end my time with the Lord by asking God questions. This is why I believe so much in spending time with God is because God already knows what's going to happen that day. Wouldn't that be so cool if you already knew what was going to happen? Well, your father does. So I'm amazed when I spend time with God and ask God for wisdom for the different appointments I'm going to have or the different dealings I'm going I'm, I'm to go through. I, I find that God is a master administrator. God will remind me, Robert, you need to pay this bill. And I'll type that out. Oh, wow, I, I totally forgot about that. Anyone ever had that experience where all of a sudden you're praying and, and, and God reminds you of something and you do it and then, and then something happens. You're like, I, I, man, if God wouldn't have told me. Can I just tell you that God is the best administrator? He is the best personal assistant you could ever have. He wants to administrate your life. He wants to lead your life. God is the best shrink you could imagine. He wants to counsel you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to coach you. And so I wait on God. And so I'm on that plane and I go from desperation to inspiration. By the end of the time, I was encouraged getting off the plane. I'm not telling you that everything was perfect. I got there and my grandmother was very sick. It was sad. It was hard. But I had grace to endure a hard time. Because I had met with God. And that's what I want for you. And I believe as we place that as first in our day, we'll have the strength to face the challenges that life brings. Why don't you stand up with me? Father, we thank you that your word is a foundation and that spending time with you is like gasoline for the engines of our lives. And I am praying that you would make us a church that hungers and thirsts after Jesus because I believe that as we seek you, your word says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Prayer team, would you quickly come up right now? I know there's all kinds of needs in this place. There's people that need to give their lives to Jesus today. You say, I, I don't know if I'm going to heaven when I die. I want you to come up and pray with one of these guys. I know that there's sick people in this room. You need to be healed. I know that there's 
different needs, financial, relational, emotional. If you have a need today, don't leave without being prayed for. We're going to sing one last uh, stanza of a song to finish our time. And you come as you need prayer as we close our service.